Mark chapter 4, we are, we are starting this kind of a new series in the midst of this big series. There's four stories that we're going to find. And we're going to see it over three weeks. And in each one of these, we find these wonderful themes that are going to just float out of them. One of them is death. And we're like, well, that doesn't sound like a real exciting series, right? But we're going to see there's, there's people today that think they're going to die. Probably would have. Next week, we're going to see that there's a guy living among the tombs. And we're going to see this, this herd of animals that's going to just kind of plummet to their death. We're going to see a woman who's dying. We're going to see a girl who dies. But we're going to see Jesus in all of that. The other thing we're going to find is desperation. If you understand desperation, you're going to love this text. Because again, we're going to see today, there are some folks, some seasoned sailors who are very desperate in their situation out on the seas. We're going to find desperation next week with a man who is, who is uh, got this legion of demons inside of him. We're going to find the desperation of a woman who's been sick for 12 years and the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with her. We're going to find uh, that there is a father who's desperate because his daughter is dying. This desperation. And here's what I want you to understand is that in this desperation, it's the people in their desperation who see Jesus. These are the ones who recognize him. And sometimes it takes desperation to find us to that place. The other thing we're going to find is fear and faith. And we're going to find fear all through these stories. And we're going to find fear in a place that you may not even believe could have been fear. Fear of Jesus himself. But all of it is to point to faith. Jesus, in all of these stories, is about moving people. Moving people. I don't claim to be an art critic. Uh, I'm certainly no expert. I have a great appreciation for art. I really do. I love studying uh, certain artists and certain pictures and kind of what was going through their minds. Uh, Michelangelo is one of those, I mean Rembrandt rather, is one of those for me. He painted what's known as realism. Realism is, it's really kind of simple, it's, it's straightforward, it's very detailed, uh, but it, it's usually pictures of nature and it's pictures of contemporary life and things of that sort. Rembrandt also painted some beautiful depictions in scripture. And this is one of my favorites right here. This is just absolutely one of my favorites. It's called um, The Calm on the Sea of Galilee, or The Storm, rather, on the Sea of Galilee. We're going to talk about this picture as we go, and we're going we're to find some things that are in here. Artists do not give a commentary to scripture, but they are inspired by scripture. And we're going to find, hopefully, our own inspiration as we move through this text. And I hope that you see this with eyes that you've never seen before, because the disciples will. So we begin this morning, and we read in verses 35 and 36. He says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him... With him, took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. 
and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already filling. I believe Rembrandt gives one of the the great depictions of what's happening with this storm. You just, you just look at the art, and you can see these people. You've got people holding on for dear life. There's this, this major wave that's just now rushed to the, the front of the boat, and it's, it's, it's getting over into the boat. And, and you've got these guys that are taking hold of the sail, just trying to take some type of control. Um, you see this one guy, and, and I love this. Uh, this guy, guess what he's doing over the side of the boat? <laughs> it doesn't show anything, but that's what's happening. He's sick. He's seasick. That's a pretty good depiction. Um, but I want you to get the essence of this storm. This storm is powerful. This storm is raging. And these storms would arise in, in really on the Sea of Galilee in very interesting ways. Uh, the reason is that the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. It's like in a bowl. And so it's surrounded by these mountains, especially on the eastern side. You get up here in the Golan Heights, all the way up to Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is 9,200 feet above sea level. And it's, it's not unusual to see snow on top of Mount Hermon. We just think, well, it's the Middle East. They don't ever see snow. No, you go up on Mount Hermon, you're likely to see snow. And so when you have that kind of cold pushing down on these, this hot air that's rising out of this bowl, then guess what happens? It, it can also come from the Mediterranean Sea. These cool winds, they come into the Sea of Galilee. And once again, it provides these, these very sudden, I mean, they're sudden, they're violent, storms and they hit they hit so fast that a, even a seasoned sailor just doesn't have time to get to shore you know it's not like saying well I see dark clouds it looks like it's gonna get here in about 10 minutes that's not the way it works. these things just happen quickly and violently and they're described in terms of hurricane force winds so they they are in this boat they have no control the water is rushing in and you're wondering Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Well, let's find out. Verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are, per uh, are perishing? <laughs> you ever wondered if Jesus was a heavy sleeper? If you ever did, you're probably saying, no, I've never worried that. Well, he was. He could be. It's like I told the class, this is what happens. Clay can verify this for me. After a full day of ministering to people, you need a nap, don't you, Clay? Right? So he, Jesus is exhausted. He's exhausted. I've been known to sleep through storms. I'm a heavy sleeper. So I want you to know that I'm like Jesus. Unfortunately, when it comes to this account, this is the only thing that I can make a comparison to me and Jesus. But isn't it interesting, the disciples are perturbed at Jesus. Jesus is sleeping. Now, on this boat, there are disciples. Some of them are seasoned fishermen. 
these guys were in these kinds of boats. They were used to this. And they go wake up the guy who was a carpenter his whole life. And you're saying, well, yeah, because he's Jesus. He's going to get up and calm the storm. You trust me, when we get to the end of this thing, you're going to realize they had no absolute idea of what was going to happen. And they were floored. They were floored. They were not preparing, prepared for this. I think they were waking Jesus up just to get him up to be praying about it. Doesn't say that, but I kind of get this idea because of a kind of a hyperlink to Jonah chapter 1. But here they are. I guess they want Jesus just to suffer along with them. I don't know. Why wake him up? I just want you to know, if we are on a cruise together, and there is a bad storm, and I am asleep, and it looks like we're going to die, don't wake me up. It's okay. But, but it's almost like they're blaming Jesus to some extent. And do we ever do that in our storms? Do we ever do that in our storms? God, why would you allow me to be abused or raped? Why would you allow me to have this kind of sickness? Why would you allow a child to die? And we blame the storms of life and the sudden and the violent of it, and we blame it on God so many times. And God's okay with that, by the way. Read the Psalms. But Jesus came to show us something that the psalmist had not yet seen. And it brings us to verse 39. Okay, watch this. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, some of us, we've read this story over a hundred times. If you're like me, you grew up in a, going to Bible class, and you saw it on flannel graphs. Some of you teachers, you remember cutting these things out and putting them up, you know, the storm, and then it calms. And, and now we have Hollywood, and Hollywood gives us the sights and the sounds and the dramatic music behind it and and we see Jesus he's gonna get up in the storm and he's gonna calm that storm and we sit back and we sit in our our nice recliners and we eat our popcorn and we're like wow look at that isn't that amazing just watch We sit back and we're like, wow. But imagine being in a boat that's 27 foot long and 8 feet wide. And you're in this hurricane force winds on Lake Okeechobee. It's different than watching it off Hollywood. They're drenched. If I could be turned down just a little bit. They're drenched. They're soaking wet. They're standing in water. Some of them, no doubt, are 
are seasick. And the calmer of storms is just a few feet away. That's bizarre. Watch, watch this though, verse 40. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Afraid of the storm? Well, let's keep reading. Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What? They're still afraid? I mean, I'm expecting them to bow down and worship Jesus, right? We watch the video and we're like, oh, God, you are such an amazing God. That's not what's happening here, folks. They had a greater fear of a storm, or greater fear of Jesus in this moment than they did of the storm. And it's like, I don't get that. It's because they're okay in the presence of death. They're used to be in the presence of death. We live in a world of death. They had not been in the presence of God, not like this, not with this kind of power. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I still don't get it. I don't understand why you would be afraid. I mean, Jesus just saved their lives. But first of all, none of us have experienced what they just experienced. And the other thing is they still did not know who Jesus was. They knew he came from God. They knew he was powerful. They did not know Jesus was God. These are the disciples. These are the ones he called. These are the ones who left the crowds. And they have come across the shore, uh, come across the Sea of Galilee with Jesus. And they still don't know who he is. But it did leave them with a question that they're pondering. Who is this who can control nature? Who does this? They only knew one who could do this. Their famous movies had to come to mind. And if you pay attention to the Old Testament narratives, <laughs> listen, you need to get into their, their mindset. You need to understand. You know that the seas are viewed in terms of chaos and disorder. If you've read the Psalms at all, you see it over and over again. This is, the, this is the language that is found. And it is God who is seen as the one who brings calm and order to the chaos and the disorder in life and to the seas. You go to the creation account, and we, we often see these as just great stories and, and important stories. This is our origin. It was so much more than this, folks. Because we, we read about the earth before the days of creation began and it is in darkness. And it is, it, this darkness covers the face of the deep and that word deep is chaotic, primeval, destructive waters. It's not just darkness and water. It is, it is a word that is destructive, chaotic, that is used here. Pandemonium erupts. When the Egyptians come after the children of Israel, they're coming to slay them. They're on their chariots. They're 
heading towards them. But the children of Israel, they're stopped by the Red Sea. They can't move. What does the God of the universe do? He divides the waters. He controls it. He made bitter water sweet. He made water come out from rocks. And as we said, Jonah 1 is a hyperlink to our text. It is a God who can calm the seas. I want to look at Psalm 107. If you have your Bibles, you may want to read, read with me. If you don't, you can just sit back and listen. Psalm 107 is so powerful. You tell me, you tell me if you don't see Psalm 107 in our text. It says, I'll start in verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Well, what distress? He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them out of their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. For his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. What we're seeing, what Mark is demonstrating to us and what Jesus demonstrated to his disciples is that Jesus has the power and the authority of God. Psalm 89 such a powerful text. He says, you rule the raging of the seas. When its waves rise, you still them. Any of this language sounding familiar to you? This is a psalm. It is a, a royal prayer psalm. It, it is to show that, that Yahweh, God of Israel, that he is the king of the universe. He is the cosmic king. Jesus stealing the water is saying, Jesus is creator. Jesus is the king of the kingdom that he's just been speaking about in parables. The one that's breaking in, the eternal kingdom. The king, the king himself. He's in the boat with you. And if they would have gotten this, folks, they would not have been afraid they would not have been afraid in the time of the storm, but they did not see Jesus as God. Jesus commanded the sea, and it listened to him. He, he masters chaos. And it's just the beginning. Jesus hadn't even walked on water yet. Oh, but that's coming. Mark invites us in. He wants us to see Jesus as God. We live in a skeptical world. Listen, more and more we're finding people who reject these stories, these narratives in Scripture. And I just hate it. And, and they try to use science and logic and all of these things as if we know everything there is about nature when we know so very little about the God who created all things. But let me say this too, we need to be careful that we don't run to the flip side. 
that we feel like that we've got to go out there and we've got to prove through science and through logic and everything else that these miracles really happened. Because listen, if you don't have faith, then you don't get the point of the miracle. It's not a miracle to show that a miracle was done. It's a miracle to show and demonstrate something very powerful. And when we see it in faith, we see it differently. Even if you believe that a miracle happened, it doesn't matter if you don't see Jesus as God. Remember the scribes and the Pharisees? Remember them? They, they could not deny the power of Jesus in the miracles that he had done. But what do they do? They say he's possessed by Satan. It's not a matter of acknowledging that these are miracles. It's seeing what they tell us. That's what's important. But even his disciples, they haven't gotten it. And folks, they won't until the death and resurrection of Jesus. I know Peyton talked about this. And, you know, this tapestry. Man, what a great illustration, by the way. The, this tapestry, you know, is being done and you can't really tell. But then when you finally it's over and you flip it over and it's like, oh, I see. Jesus didn't rebuke them, folks, for a lack of knowledge. Folks, we're not going to be lost because we have a lack of knowledge. We're going to be lost because we have a lack of faith. We have, a, we have doubt. They're fearful. But they are open-minded. And they've got to continue to ponder that question. Who then is this that the wind and the sea obey him? Folks, faith is meant to grow and expand. The faith I have is not the faith you have. Some of you have a much stronger faith than I have. I have a much stronger faith than some of you have. But it's all about coming to these things and allowing it to continue to grow and to expand what do you do what do you see what happens when you come to mark chapter four and jesus stills the storm jesus has power over the forces of chaos he rescues us from whatever storms it is that may that may tear through our lives, these times of desperation. This isn't about rescuing disciples from a storm. Folks, that's not really what this is about. We may think that it is. Jesus' control over the chaotic seas points forward when the rule of Satan will be no more. Revelation speaks of that time. It's really powerful. It's really powerful stuff. He says the sea will eventually give up its dead. Is that not an interesting phraseology? Why is it the sea that's going to give up the dead? Because that's what the seas are. They're chaos. They're death. They're everything that's vile and evil. And when he speaks about the coming of this new heaven and this new earth, he says that the sea, when that happens, the day that Jesus comes again, that the seas will be no more. Well, what does he mean? We can't go fishing anymore? No. He's saying that the chaos, the evil, the pain, the terrors of this life are no more because Jesus conquers the chaotic waters in order to bring new life 
He's the solution to our human dilemma. Be honest. It's easy to have faith when the when the waters are calm. In fact, some of you may be in here and your life is really going well right now. And that, that's great. I thank God. But you may say, Well, I just don't get it if some people struggle. But what happens when the storm rises? And it comes out of nowhere. And it's violent. And you name your storm. That phone call that you have cancer. Or you find out that you just got fired and you didn't see it coming. Or you suddenly lose someone that you love and, and they had not even been sick. Or a longtime friend suddenly betrays you. A spouse is unfaithful to you. And the waves and the waters just, they're filling your boat. You feel the desperation, you feel the fear. And there's probably some of you in here right now, you, you're just like, yes, yes. Don't lose focus of this, of the purpose of this miracle. It's to emphasize who Jesus is. And if you think that this story is saying that Jesus is going to calm all your storms, no matter what it is in life, if I'm, if I'm about to die or I've got someone and I pray for them, they're not going to die and, and we, just, we think that's what it is or we're not going to have desperation because we believe in Jesus, you totally miss it. That's not the point. Storms are part of life. Every sailor will tell you there is no such thing as a stormless sea. The point is that Jesus went to battle with a storm and he won. We do not have to fear. Rembrandt, man, did an amazing job showing the desperation of a storm. I don't know if any of you saw the face looking at you. This is the great thing about art. Rembrandt was known to, to draw his face into his paintings. Here's Rembrandt, and he's holding on to a rope and holding on to his hat, and he's looking out at us as Jesus is getting ready to calm the storm. Rembrandt understood storms. He went through a lot. If you know much about him, he, he and his wife, they had four children together, and only one, the last one, survived. After, after, the others didn't even survive more than a few months. But the, the last one did survive. But then it wasn't long, right after that, that she dies. He has a couple other relationships, but it's not the same. He Finds himself in a lot of financial problems. He goes bankrupt. When he dies, get this, Rembrandt. Rembrandt is buried like a poor man. It's in an unmarked grave. After 20 years, they, they took out the remains of his body and destroyed it because that's what you did with the poor back in that day and time. We don't even, we don't even have his remains because he died a poor man. And I, and I sometimes wonder, did he, did he ever find 
Did he ever find the calm? Did he find the calm in the storm? I don't know. As you view the painting yourself, maybe you see yourself somewhere in here. Maybe you're the guy that's up here and you're just trying to hold it all together. Maybe you're the one down here and you're just trying to get Jesus to wake up. Maybe you're the one that's here and you're just waiting with anticipation, but you're in the midst of it. Do you know we can't go to a museum to see this picture? This is one of the interesting things. In 1990, there were two thieves who were dressed like policemen and they go into a museum in Boston and they steal this painting, well, that painting, <laughs> along with 12 other valuable paintings in that museum. And to this day, they, they've never made an arrest. They, they do not know about what happened in this heist. But don't fret because you can't go see this picture and to see it with your own eyes. Because the Son of God who inspired this painting, He has not left. He's still in our midst. And there is nothing that anyone can do to take you away from the calmer of storms. I'm going to read one passage, or one little section of passage from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the purpose of why Jesus calmed the storm. I'm going to say a prayer before we have another time. And I know some people that may be in here, and I, I don't know who you are, but there may be people who are in here right now, and you're going through this storm in your life. And there's some things that, you know, we, we offer an invitation. It's a traditional thing that we do for people who want prayers. We, we encourage you to come down and we pray for you. But there's some things that you just can't say in front of a, a whole group of people. At least not now, not yet. And some of you right now, you may be here and, and, and you're just, you're struggling. And you may, 
You may be a person, you've been in the boat. You're a disciple of Jesus, but you know what? You're struggling right now with your faith. And you don't even really know how to talk about it. So I want to pray for you. Not in a judgmental way, but in a way that you can find the stillness and the peacefulness that can only come from God. And that your faith can grow. And despite the storms that are all around you, to know that Jesus is there. He's there. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this day. And there may be some who have already beaten myself to your very throne. And they're already talking with you. They're already mentally engaging with you, Father. And they're going through some tough times. There, there's some things that, Father, we may not know, and we may not ever know, but, Father, you do. But, Father, we know that you love us and you care for us. And, and you, even though the times that we, we don't even recognize you, you're there. Father, help them know you're there. Help them know that you're there. Father, help us as we continue to reach out to those who they just need someone to talk to. They need someone to tell them more about about you, about your son, about your spirit who comes and and lives within the chaos within us, even within ourselves and Father just quicken their hearts. Father, we just pray this And we pray for peacefulness. We pray for a stillness. Father, rebuke the storms in their lives. Help them feel your presence right now. Father, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If we can do more for you than that, let us. I'll be up here afterwards. I want to pray with you. We've got people in here that you know, that you you see as as people who are spiritually minded people, and they want to pray with you. Listen, don't leave this place with all these, these doubts and these struggles in your minds. Listen, let's pray about these together. Let's talk about them together. Let's, let's let the Sea of Galilee come alive. Let's continue to look and to wait for the calm. If we can help you in any way, come now. Together we stand and as we sing.